You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone, to this week's RB1 Poland, a fantasy football podcast brought to you by FakeTeams.com. I am your humble host, Peter Rogers, joined, as always, by John Barnett and Clark Barnes. Guys, how are you? Doing great. I'm still well. I mean, still we well. were feeling well last week with a win, and the Packers still feeling all right. I'm, I'm more upset that my fantasy teams are have been some hot trash this last week yeah it's not been a great start for me either in any of my leagues and i know that this is the podcast where we do care about your fantasy team so you know feel free to uh share your your grievances with us but uh it's not i have not been off to the uh rousing start that i thought i was going to be yeah so i ended up uh keeping ty montgomery in a couple leagues and i really hated doing it because I was like, well, he's the only person that's worth keeping, and I can keep him for like a fourth or a fifth, but I don't really like this. And man, I'm just wrong. He's really good. Just uh, kind of has paid off, hasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I had him last year. I picked him up midseason in a dynasty league where, you know, if you pick him up midseason, they become restricted free agents in the offseason. Oh. So everybody got to bid on him, and then I get right at first refusal. I have to go up a dollar or a year on the contract. And it got so high. I was, I thought maybe people would be like, ah, whatever. No, that, that went, that number went pretty high, pretty fast on, on Montgomery. And I felt bad letting him go, but you had to, I you did I could not afford it. Starting one running back. And I have Devonte Freeman and Ezekiel Elliott in that league. I was like, well, no, oh, well, yeah, no, no. <laughs> don't need to invest too many resources in that position then for a flex. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Uh, excellent. Well, we did not come to you Tuesday. I know probably all of you were wondering where we were to do our week two recap, but, uh, I sadly had a prior engagement and so did everyone else. Uh, but don't worry. We will, uh, we'll hopefully be, hopefully be back next Tuesday. And we'll of course be, we're here now. So you can take what you can get. That's the, uh, that's the world we live in now. Right. And if I you're upset you. about us missing the podcast, please send all of your angry tweets to uh, Pete Rogers there. On, <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. Twitter. yes, send them to me. I am the I am the host. That is what I'm here for. We've we've gone over this many times. I am the Eli Manning to my Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall. So, right, uh, and I actually did not have engagements. I was going to try to run it, but I got a horrible poison ivy uh, rash everywhere. I ended up going to the hospital, getting the steroid shots and everything. Oh wait. Yeah, that was that was fun. Have engagements, but <laughs> elsewhere. Well, John's. I was just lazy. Out. Once everyone else dropped out, I was like, <laughs> "Screw it, it's fine." <laughs> How about some Walking Dead? Let's do this. There you go. That's the spirit. This is the kind of attitude that you want as your uh, your the people who you listen to for fantasy advice. We are the consistent <laughs> podcasters who bring you the consistent news. Um, so on our docket, we've got obviously plenty to talk about. We're going to cover the news briefly. There's only like a few bullet points there because who really cares about what's going on? Uh, we're going to introduce a new segment. Uh, this will be continuing throughout the show called Ya Done. Uh, more on that later. And then we'll be talking about some surprises and some disguises. And then we'll wrap the whole sucker up with a little Thursday night preview because everyone cannot wait for the Rams versus the 49ers. But... Before we get into all that, let's tackle the news. Uh, for starters, the Giants suck. That's the first bullet news bulletin. Um, but more importantly, uh, Orleans Darqua uh, is set to receive more touches. Uh, he was the backup running back for the charge uh, for the Giants behind Paul Perkins, who's not exactly lived up to the fantasy expectations that many had for him. Uh, a quote from Coach Ben McAdoo because. I do prepare, and I have my notes, and I have quotes. Uh, we even out the reps, and we have confidence in Paul. We have confidence in Orleans. Orleans had cleaner looks in the ball game Monday. So there you go. That's a well-defined that, quote. 
That is some prime coach speak. Like, I'm going right. to talk until it's time to ask someone else a question and not say anything. McAdoo is really finding his footing there as a head coach. He is, he is excelling at not only being a head coach, but also at uh, being a head coach with a extraordinary hairdo. So it's it's kind of like when I was in choir through college, saying all the way through college, and it's just interesting to hear how people describe tones. It's kind of like how he said there. It's like he has some clean looks. You're like, you've got a very bright pitch, but it's also got some, it's got some depth to it. And you're just like, what are you talking about? You're like, you got to round out your sounds. You're like, how do I round a sound? There it is. He had clean looks. What does that even mean? Throwing in adjectives that don't, that don't make sense. Like, just randomly. Look, he was out there. Uh, he was moving quickly. <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was bright out there. He was, he was moving around with a lot of explosiveness and stuff. You're just like, okay. I think the best way to describe his performance today is chartreuse. Perfect. <laughs> so there it is. We, I mean, that's, that's really all you need to know from a fantasy perspective is that Orleans dark was now sharp tooth and uh, <laughs> you should be starting putting him in your lineups accordingly. And it makes sense, though. I mean, in all honesty, it makes sense simply just because Darkwa has been averaging 5.2 yards per touch. I mean, granted, the Giants have not really run the ball all that much, but at least Darkwa has been making the most out of his opportunities, whereas Paul Perkins is putting up a dismal 1.9 yards per carry. I mean, you average that just by falling down at the line of scrimmage. So it's it's an impressive feat to be able to have averaged that through, I believe, 13 touches. Yeah, it's been I sad. Mean, I've taken him as that, like, Focus on getting a good RB1 and then just ignore the RB2 for the most part. And Perkins is that guy who kind of fell in that area of like, who do people not particularly care for who's going to fall in that later rounds as somebody who I thought could at least start. He can't start. He just can't. He's not worth any space at this point. I mean, I went back and watched the Giants in Detroit game and the, I think the score looks a lot worse than the game was. Like, am I the only one that thinks the Giants... I mean, they don't look good, but they don't look that bad. I mean, I think once they get Odell back and Eli can just drop back and throw it to him 15 times on those little slants, am I the only one that thinks that maybe they might bounce back a little? Yep, you're the only one. Maybe a little. I just don't (laughs) think they're that good. Their offensive line is not that good. They're going to have to be slants because I don't think they can protect Eli Manning, and I don't think he's that good, and I've never thought he's that good. Agreed. Just get re- as an NFL quarterback for fantasy, he can do things for you. As an NFL quarterback, I'm not impressed with him. I get ready, care. get ready for our new segment, Clark. Something's <laughs> something's coming down the windpipes. I'm on pins and needles, man. Let's do I it. I know you are. I know you are, and I know our listeners as, are as well. Uh, our second and final news bulletin. Like I said, there's really not that much in the news because who cares? Uh, the Jaguars claim wide receiver Jalen Strong off waivers, who had been released by the Houston Texans. Clark. As our resident Texan slash AFC South carer, uh, I'm going to pass this over to you. Tell me, how does this make you feel? So I really liked Jalen Strong. I mean, he's a big-bodied wide receiver. He put up some nice tape in college, and he's been okay in the NFL. He's one of those guys that you think doesn't – he's not that great when he comes out, and he's a later-round pick, and you just kind of see him after four or five years in the league becoming a really serviceable third wide receiver for you. And so it's really disappointing to see the Texans drop him when they're so, you know, bereft of talent at the wide receiver position and to see him go to the Jaguars. I mean, Jaguars used to kind of be a laughing stock and I know they kind of put up a stinker against the Titans this week, but they, as much as I hate to admit this and as much as at the beginning of the year, if you told me I would be saying this, I would have been the first person to tell you wrong. They look okay. So I don't get it. I don't think that we have so – we. I got to stop saying we when I'm talking about – No, the there's – let, right. let me correct you on that. You can say we whenever you want because that's the beauty of sports and that's the beauty of the NFL. This is – these are our teams and we are fully invested into them through their highs and their lows and all of that. That's my pep talk. And we're more hurt than they are. Exactly. Yeah. You really think Aaron Rodgers cared about that loss more than John did? No, of course not. Yeah. It's just, I I don't think we had enough to let someone like that go. And again, like not a generational talent, but a serviceable third or fourth wide receiver. So I just, I don't get it. I'm yeah. Great analysis. I know I don't get it, but I I remember Braxton Miller. You, I mean, you're saying he's got to beat up Bruce and LinkedIn somewhere in that area. I like him too. I mean, I think when you have Braxton Miller as your third and Jalen strong as your fourth, that's a better than average three and four. I can't imagine that was money decision to let him go. 
No. I, you know, he got popped for weed possession, and the Texans don't really dig those kinds of players. And so I think maybe that had more to do with it, you know, based on nothing other than just my presumption. He wasn't a trash bag out there. I mean, he's decently talented, so I think there had to be something more to it than just a talent decision. Makes sense. Um, but I would agree. I would agree with that expert analysis that uh, I just don't know. The old I don't know analysis. Yeah, that's it's, the kind it's of award winning. It's award winning journalism right here. Now, in terms of if you are putting yourself in Jalen Strong's shoes, are you happier? Are you happier catching passes from Blake Bortle or do you want to be back uh, with Watson? I think it's a wash. I mean, I'm, I'm holding out hope for Deshaun Watson, but I mean, neither one of these quarterbacks are great. Neither one are, I think, awful. I mean, Blake Bortles had a lot of bad luck last week. His stat line looked terrible, but he had a lot of tip passes that went for picks. And gosh, I I don't know what happened. I started talking and then ended up realizing I was defending Blake Bortles. Does anybody else have a comment? That's <laughs> a, a good Keep place going. to find yourself. That's a great time to just, just blow past the news and just call it done. Once we start defending Blake Bortles on the podcast, you know we've got to move on. Uh, so this week, we're going to introduce a new segment, just a quick little guide that we're going to kind of track throughout the year. And it's a way for us to, well, it's called You Done. Uh, and as you might expect, each week, or not even each week, it might just be randomly throughout podcasts. Uh, but we're going to be picking, to, to start, we each pick one player who hasn't been great, and we're going to sit, and we're going to say that they are done. We're going to tell you that this is the person who you should be dropping in all your leagues, that they will have no fantasy value from here on out for the rest of the season. The bolder the prediction, the better. Uh, and of course, we'll keep track of all the names that are said. And so that you can, you as the listeners can relentlessly heckle us on Twitter about it. And we will also relentlessly heckle everyone who has made ridiculous claims at turn out to be very, very, very wrong. I'm sitting right here, Pete. I'm sitting right here. <laughs> Don't encourage people to tweet mean things to me. Oh, it's it's happening. It's happening. Uh, for me, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> so let's start. Let's start with you, John. And we talked about this leading in, and I'm going to make Pete cry. It's but I had this preseason too. But uh, Adrian Peterson, you're done. All right, you can sit there and have your angry stares at your head coach. You can you can walk around the sidelines like uh, it's like like a caged you know, animal, like a predator of some sort, you know, like he's back there just waiting to pounce on something. Like he's just waiting for red meat. Um, but he's, he's not doing it. He just doesn't have it anymore. He's not explosive. He, I mean, he's on a team where he should be able to line up and say like, Hey, we're going to throw the ball a ton. Everyone's going to line up wide. We're going to spread out this defense. And you can run through the middle. They're not going to put, you know, <laughs> 10 guys in the box on you. He can't do it. He's just not doing it. Uh, he's not led this team in, in yards at any point. Uh, they don't seem to particularly want to put him out there consistently either. He's going to share time, which means that they're saying we are more interested in seeing if uh, Ingram has really got it than seeing if you can help us this year. And Kamara's the future. He's, it, it's not going to be Peterson. I'll be surprised if they don't cut him in the offseason at this point. He just doesn't have that, and he hasn't had it for about a year now, or at least. So, yeah, AP, you're done. I'm sorry. You were amazing. It was incredible to watch you, even as a Packers fan, but you're done. Yeah, I'm with John. I think Hall of Fame career, man, Adrian Peterson gave us amazing games to watch, just an amazing athlete and just so great I don't want to remember him in his Saints years, just like I don't want to remember that Joe Montana played for the Chiefs. But, uh, oh, good uh, reference. you know, Adrian Peterson, just like all the really good running backs in the game, could be going full speed about 45 degrees to the line of scrimmage, put his foot in the ground, not lose a step, and just cut up field. And what I saw this week from him is when he got to the edge, he took that three steps that old guys like me take when they're changing directions. And that's just in the NFL. It's not going to cut it. He's not big enough to run people over. The other running backs on the team do everything he can do better than he does. And I know it's got to be frustrating to have been great at something and not have it anymore. I'm just assuming because I've never been especially great, but <laughs> it, he's just not that great anymore. I mean, sure. Could, 
if Ingram goes down and the Saints keep scoring a ton of points, could he fall over the goal line ten times this year? Yeah, I mean, and so could whoever plays fullback for the Saints. I hate saying this, but John, I'm with you, man. He's done. He done. Yeah. Uh, I alluded to this earlier when Clark was talking about, are we sure that the Giants are bad? We are, Clark. We are sure the Giants are bad because Eli Manning, you're done. Eli Manning has the offenses look just awful, just pitiful, a pitiful performance. The offensive line can't protect worth a darn. And so he's going to just get killed week in and week out. Uh, and I know I have, a, I do have a lot of pent up aggression towards Eli just for, you know, maybe two Super Bowl wins, but, uh, and I can't wait for him to fail. But more importantly, the last time Eli was inside the top 10 in terms of fantasy quarterbacks was back in 2011. In 2015 and 14, he finished 10th, but let it go. Eli, you're done. Go drop him. Yeah, I'm I'm absolutely with you. Um, I, I I don't think he's, like I said, I've never been as, as high on him as ever. And I think last week when we were doing our, our stuff with the uh, movie stars and I, I said, uh, Javoris Allen is, is Jim Carrey. And the reasoning was again, you know, I am still holding that against you, by the way, John. <laughs> that's, fine. that's fine. It's legitimate, but it's the same sort of reasoning here. Eli Manning won two Super Bowls. Wasn't his fault. Yep. Yep. Wasn't 100%. exceptionally good in either of those years. It's not, nobody has voted for him for MVP in any season, right? Like nobody has thrown a vote that way. It's like, you know what, Manning, Manning's one of those great quarterbacks this year. I'm voting for him. Nobody does that. I don't. Has he been to one Pro Bowl? How many has he gone to? It, it's not half of his his seasons. No, it's ridiculous. He's he is he is. Uh, if, if Trent Dilfer had started his career with the Ravens, <laughs> is what he is. He just happened to have fallen onto um, one of the best defensive lines. Mm-hmm. And if they didn't have that defensive line, there's no way Eli Manning was the guy who's beating that, those Patriot teams. The defensive lines won those games, and everybody knows that. And Eli Manning is a below-average quarterback who hasn't been the – how long has it been since he's been in the playoffs even? Forever. When they started building this team around him rather than the defense, they became awful. I love this. So, no. I love this. I love how much <laughs> aggression there is on a John towards Eli Manning. This is beautiful to listen to. He's- so overrated and it's all because we have turned wins into a quarterback stat which they aren't right they just aren't like he's on a winning team or not not now now he's he's on winning teams and now he's not anymore i'm sad that we moved away from video show so that you guys can't just see me like stewing and sweating (laughs) over here (laughs) just being upset with you guys because i don't think he's great either. how do you defend eli how do you defend eli so first, he's he's not great. You're right. I wouldn't even say he's a top 10 quarterback, but I would say he's a top 15 quarterback. And when you have a top 15 quarterback on a team with a killer defense and the best wide receiver in the NFL, maybe Antonio Brown, no disrespect. It's one and two with those two guys. I think he's going to surprise us. I think he's gotten off to a bad start. And I don't, but even pick the last- don't play him. Don't right. do that. But I don't think he's the trash bag that everybody says that he is. I think he's okay. And he's going to be at least decent enough to get Odell his value. And you can probably pick a couple of spots this year where you can stream him. Again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go run out and pick up Eli Manning and then he's going to start for you and you're going to be happy. But I got a big scowl over here, guys. I don't think he's quite. I will, I will go yeah. on record, and this will be the last thing, and then we'll bounce over to Clark, and you can give us who you think is done. I will go on record in saying I do not think Eli Manning will have a 15-plus point fantasy point performance this year. Oh, I'll take you on that. Boom. That's here, here it is. We'll put, we'll put a red lobster on it. Let's do it. This is his 14th season. He has been to four Pro Bowls. Never first-team All-Pro. Him. Out of here. You're done. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I don't care how many bowls he's gone to except for the Super Bowl. And he's got to. All right, that's harsh. He was carried in that Super Bowl. It's Both. a stupid argument, but I'm a stupid person. I don't mind. Clark, let's hear <laughs> Who do you think is done, Clark? Uh, this one hurts me. So I went really introspective on this. I, I wanted to talk about someone. Uh, oh, a while back, we did our loves that have burned us and hurt us. And so I kind of hearkened back to that. And I, I know it's not the boldest of predictions, but uh, John Brown. He's mm. he's done, guys. Don't even 
bother keeping him on your roster. He's going to be a fantasy tease this year. John Brown at some point will come back and put up a 130-yard, two-touchdown game. That's going to happen, but you're going to be looking at the news all year wondering if John Brown's hamstring is okay or if his quad is all right or how Carson Palmer feels about John Brown. He's an amazingly (laughs) talented wide receiver, and anyone that argues with that, well, we can go rounds. He's great, but he just has – this problem that is just, it's not his fault and he's not going to be able to get over it. And he's just, he's done. I'm so sad, but John Brown, you're done. Yeah. He is listed for out for this week at this point. I buy it. Yeah. I guess I'm over to that. It, it feels bad because you felt like he was growing and he was getting better and everything, but yeah, he just hasn't been out there enough and he hasn't put up anything. And JJ Nelson is, is taking that, that role. And he's on the field. The best ability is availability. Exactly. God, you Patriots fan. <laughs> yeah. But you're right. There. But you're it's right. True. It's true. <laughs> um, excellent. Well, so we will. So again, so John th- says that Adrian Peterson is you're done. I'm saying Eli's done. Clark's saying John Brown is done. Uh, if either of these guys have a string of successful fantasy uh, fantasy outings, feel free to at the living poo out of us on Twitter and get in our mentions. But we both yeah. And after after John Brown has one, don't at me right because I said that's going to happen. Give him give give him two. If he puts up two back to back, then you can at Clark. Yeah. Then I will at Clark. Uh, but yeah, so and we'll be and we'll be. I don't know. I don't think this will probably be a weekly thing. I don't know if we'll weekly if we'll designate a weekly segment. But you know, it's something that we'll just keep kind of adding to throughout the year because it's always fun to make wild claims and then watch as to whether or not those claims eventually become correct or not. It's fun. That's what stuff we all enjoy. Uh, we'll keep track of it. One of my favorite things to do is make wild speculative claims based on very little evidence. That's so I'm- literally our jobs. That's what we do as <laughs> fantasy quote-unquote analysts so we're we're fitting right in we're staying on brand excellent so we decided since we are at week two well we finished week two we're heading into week three we are exactly one half halfway through the first quarter of the nfl season and that at that point everyone knows it's more or less time to evaluate how the season's gone uh and to make again like clark was saying uh wild claims so we're going to look at look back, and we've each picked three players, and we're going to look at some surprises and disguises. I was pretty proud of that rhyming structure, so uh, <laughs> hat on the old back for that one. And so that what we're going to do is we're just going to look at people who have either played very well through the first two weeks or very poorly through the first two weeks uh, and say whether or not you think they are a surprise, which means that whatever we've seen from them is now their new norm. Or a disguise, which means that they will eventually bounce back from what we've seen through the uh, first two weeks. So to start, I can start uh, just to give you an example. I will start with the quarterback for the Denver Broncos, touchdown Trevor Simeon. Uh, and I, I, on a oh. quick quick side note, wrote about this today just because I, on my actual, one of my leagues, I was Figuring, I was like, am I crazy in starting Trevor Simeon against the Bills over Mariota uh, versus the Seahawks? Go on faketeams.com, shameless plug here, and vote, and you can see how everyone else is thinking. But it feels kind of crazy, but like, is it though? I mean, Trevor Simeon has scored 21 and 22 per ESPN standard leagues in the last two weeks. Uh, The Broncos offense is looking pretty, pretty legit under him, especially when they have a stable ground game, which I know lasts just as long as CJ Anderson's body does, which tends to be about three or four weeks into the season. So we're really milking all we got out of Trevor Simeon before that eventually falls apart. Um, But he's building off a season where he just played chemistry with his receivers. And we can't forget, I mean, the receiving core he's throwing to is Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, both of whom are very good wide receivers. Amazing. Yeah, they're both excellent. Uh, and I hate making sweet, sweeping judgments like this before Simeon has played a game outside of mile high. But I think he's a surprise. I think that what we're seeing from him is kind of legit. Uh, I don't think he's going to average 20 points a game, obviously, because that's just preposterous. But I could easily see him finishing in the top 15 quarterbacks, even possibly 
possibly sneaking into top 10, but I really don't think that's going to happen. But top 15, definitely. Uh, he's someone who is available. I'd 100% pick up. Uh, I'd much rather have him, I think, in the long term than Ben Roethlisberger, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, or Carson Palmer, certainly. Yeah, and I've picked him up in some leagues just because I ended up with Kirk Cousins in a couple of leagues, and he has and he has not absolutely disappointed me so far. Uh, but yeah, uh, I he's been surprised, and I I don't think it's a disguise at this point. I think he's looked at least competent. Yeah, which is just uh, beyond me for watching a Northwestern quarterback who, by the way, couldn't be the legit only starting quarterback on that team. He had to share snaps at Northwestern with a guy who's not, but he's playing well now. And he looks like he's, he's hitting guys in stride. He's got good receivers. He's got decent time. He doesn't force anything. He's finding the yards that are there and they're letting him throw. Pete, did you say better than Ben Roethlisberger? I have been very lukewarm on Ben Roethlisberger for like the last two years in fantasy, just because for me, I like my, I don't want to have to, I want to plug my quarterback in and then just not touch him. And Ben Roethlisberger routinely will miss like five to six weeks at the worst time. It's always around uh, the fantasy playoffs where he'll just go down with some crippling injury because he just got smacked too many times throughout the season. And and his home road splits are awful. I understand wanting to avoid Ben Roethlisberger if you're concerned about inappropriate touching, because we haven't forgot the beginning <laughs> of your career, Ben. That's fair. But Trevor Simeon is fine. He's like Eli Manning. He is a middle of the road quarterback, and he's had a couple God, of Parker, good. Matchups. Killing you right now. I I I don't care, Pete. He's had some good <laughs> matchups, and he's played really well. The Cowboys' defense is soft. The only reason they looked good in week one is because they played the Giants. So Trevor Simeon is a fine, functional quarterback. If you have a running game and perhaps the best, I mean, I wouldn't say the best, but like definitely top five wide receiver duo in the league and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders, then you're going to have a lot of opportunities to look good. So I'm, I'm with you in that if there's a bad matchup for the Broncos and you have a chance to stream Trevor Simeon, you should, because he's not bad. He's probably going to put up some good points because the other team's going to be playing from behind because that, you know, Denver defense is just so good, but I don't think that he's amazing or anything. I think he's much like a lot of these middle of the road quarterbacks that have a legit chance to win the Super Bowl because they're good. And the rest of their team is amazing. Right. I totally agree with that. I'm not saying Trevor Simeon is going to magically be a top 10 or a top five fantasy quarterback this year. I think just that what you're seeing from him isn't a fluke. I think that, you know, he's not going to consistently give you 20 points a game, but he is now a far more confident, comfortable quarterback who might be worth occasional start. I mean, I'm thinking of streaming him this week because I just haven't yet to see Mariota put up exactly what I want to see from him. Yeah, and I'm with you. I mean, I, I think against the Raiders, he's got them week four. Like uh, that. Against the Chargers, that's fine. That. Eagles, that's fine. But against the Bills this week, that's tough. Week six, mm-hmm. he's got the Giants. So I'm with you on a streaming option. Just I, I want to rein people in. Uh, he's a streaming option who's had a couple of good weeks, which is great. But uh, don't go blowing your fab mm-hmm. on Trevor Simeon. You can get him. Uh, John, give me your first surprise or disguise. My first surprise, and I have him as a surprise, is and not the disguise, if, as we're differentiating here, is Ty Montgomery, and that's just because he's right now. I have him in, in Yahoo. He's third among running backs, and ESPN he's sixth in to, in terms of total points right now on their standard scorings. Um, at least that's what I'm seeing here. I've got him ranked in the rankings, which came out. This morning, I think I wrote it yesterday. It came out this morning. It was published this morning on the faketeams.com running back rankings that I put out. Uh, I had him ninth. Good plug. Moving up fairly steadily. We started talking about him as an RB2, right? At the beginning of the year, is like a low-end RB2. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got him ninth now. That actually moved him up 10 spots from last week. Uh, and I think I had him maybe even starting at a flex area at the beginning of the year because I wasn't sure exactly I was going to fit in. But week one, he got 19 carries. He didn't maybe necessarily get you a ton of yards on that. He did get you a touchdown. Uh, last week, they fell behind, and that's the time where sometimes dangerous for your running back. But then he had was it six catches on seven targets. 
um, and a bunch of yards and that shovel pass touchdown, which was Aaron Rodgers 300th. He's going to be in this game no matter what the score is, no matter what's happening. They're finding ways to use him. In a blowout, they'll use him. If they're ahead, they'll use him. He's going to touch the ball a ton. He's a top 10 running back in total points. His projections look good just in terms of what, what you imagine he's going to be now. So, yeah, the way that they're using him now, I, I think he's an RB1. I really like him. I think he's he's doing great in this, and I think he's going to sustain it. I, I think he's a big surprise. He's going to sustain. I agree. I agree. I I definitely think he's a surprise. I honestly think that the Packers need to kind of construct their offense around Ty because, and maybe John, you as the Packers fan can shed your own opinion on this, but he might be their best offensive weapon. Uh, just because of what you said, like he can run between the tackles. He could run outside. He's also phenomenal, obviously in the passing game and can be a matchup nightmare if you bounce him out and, you know, play him in the slot or whatever. Um, and I just too often you see the Packers offense completely deteriorate as soon as Jordy Nelson inevitably gets injured. Uh, and so I think it makes a lot more sense to construct your offense around maybe a successful run game and screen game uh, as opposed to shots downfield and hoping that opens up the underneath stuff. But I'm, I'm all aboard the Ty Montgomery train. I, I hope so too, because when Aaron Rodgers throws short, when he's throwing under 10 yards on his average depth there, it's just unstoppable because he's yeah. accurate and the ball comes out faster. He's routinely back there five or six seconds looking for big plays uh, and far too frequently goes into that hero ball type mindset where he really, really wants to throw that touchdown this play and not down the field later. It's like So when he's throwing the dump off passes, which the first half the Packers did not throw enough short and the second half they really did and the ball came up much faster and they clipped down the field a lot better against granted a prevent defense. But when they throw shorter, they look better. And maybe not necessarily building it around Montgomery, but making sure he's a key facet of that. Uh, that and, you know, Randall Cobb, of course, being the underneath guy and let Devante do some other things out there. Even without Jordy, they can do things with Geronimo Allison and uh, Martellus Bennett that are going to be important there. But I think Montgomery is going to be a key aspect of their the team going forward. I'm with you. It's a sweep. The Packers love going downfield so much and they have the weapons with Jordy, who's such a nice boy, and Devontae Adams, who's fast, and Randall Cobb running underneath but being able to kind of clear out one side of the defense because you have to account for Randall Cobb. If you have a competent back that can swing out to the side of the field that's been vacated by all these deep routes and all these drags, well, then that person is just going to have room to run all game. And with all of the time that Rodgers creates with just the style of ball that he plays – it just leaves a lot of really easy yards out there. And Montgomery has proven totally capable of getting those yards. And he's good enough at running inside to where you know when they're in the shotgun and Montgomery's in the backfield, you have to play the draw. And you have to right. play the inside zone. And that's all you need to just threaten defenses into getting what the Packers want out of the defenses. So if, if he can stay healthy this year, I think he's going to be one of those people that ends up finishing as the RB7 and half of the fantasy community goes, no kidding, that's what we were telling you the whole time. And the other half goes, that's a fluke. I'm not drafting him high next year. <laughs> right, fair. Clark, give us your uh, your first surprise or disguise. Yet again, I may not have understood the game. So, <laughs> <laughs> A running trend in this show. Yeah. So please keep in mind, uh, Clark's the one you, you might not want to listen to. Uh, my first surprise is Cream Hunt. <laughs> Uh, and not that Cream Hunt is good at football because we see that, but the surprise I think is that Kareem Hunt was able to fill this role as the Kansas City running back that we've seen under Andy Reid so much from Brian Westbrook, uh, Brian Westbrook to Jamal Charles. We've seen these kind of do it all backs just put up these amazing and insane running back numbers that end up winning you your year. They're so good. Talk about a running back that can get you four touchdowns in a game. Kareem Hunt is that guy. He is that good. And I know I'm talking about the number one running back in fantasy this year, but if you're in a league where the Kareem Hunt owner has any doubts and he's willing to give you any kind of discount, Kareem Hunt is getting the looks. Kareem Hunt is Andy Reid's running back. So get him. Anything that you need to do to get him, 
this is the kind of person that can put up a 24-25 touchdown season. He's as good as advertised in these first two weeks. This is not a fluke. This is not going to stop happening. Kareem Hunt is a really, really pleasant surprise. I just have in my notes, in all capitals, bring on the age of the young running backs. Yeah, the the league is kind of bereft of good running backs right now, and so we're starting to see a lot of good young guys come into the league, like Kareem Hunt, like Leonard Fournette, Dalvin rookie Cook. out of the Vikings. Yeah, rookie of the Vikings, Dalvin Cook. We're going to see a lot of good young backs come into the league over the next couple of years just because there's so many vacancies. And, man, Hunt is the vanguard. He is going to, for fantasy players at least, he is, he, oof, get Hunt. Yeah, I don't think there's anything to add to that. Beautiful. That is perfect. Short and concise. Uh, My second player who I've got, and we talked in, and John briefly touched on him in his Ty Montgomery conversation, and that is Randall Cobb. Now, Randall Cobb, what's crazy about him so far is has been his usage in the Packers offense. He's tied in the NFL for third most targets uh, behind just DeAndre Hopkins and Des Bryant, which is kind of insane to me, given who else is on that offense with him. But the thing is, is it hasn't really resulted in points, uh, especially in standard leagues, just because, again, targets and catches are all fantastic. But in standard leagues, you're really looking for uh, gigantic yardage outputs and touchdowns, which uh, uh, Randall Cobb has yet to do. Plus, for me, a lot of those targets are coming from the fact that Jordy Nelson is banged up and Devontae Adams is, you know, still trying to figure out where the heck he is. And the Packers are trying to find itself, which is something that's become almost too regular. Um, So I'm going to say what you've seen so far, Randall Cobb, Randall Cobb has got that, has got those glasses with the fake nose and mustache on. He's got a disguise. Uh, Don't expect him to keep up this level of targets. And his production is only going to go down uh, once Jordy returns healthy, once Bennett acclimates to this offense and Mike McCarthy pulls his head out of his uh, rear end and actually runs the football consistently. Um, I have a lot of pent up anger towards Mike McCarthy. Uh, (laughs) But yeah. So, John, as our resident Packers fan, what do you feel about Randall Cobb? I think you got it fairly right. I think it's been um, the the usage has been based on game plan. I think against Seattle, the way you attack Seattle is second and third receivers. Um, you attack them at their third corner. They they've got great talent, but they don't have depth. Uh, so if you have a third receiver, you beat them with your third receiver, and that's what the Packers did. They threw underneath to Cobb. He led the team in targets, but it was it was an aspect of game plan that that's the way they were going to do that. Last week, of course, uh, Jordy went down early with the quad injury. He's still listed as day-to-day uh, 50-50 is what they're saying for this next week. Uh, I think he's used participant to... this week on the practice report. They're still saying 50-50 out loud, though. Um, gotcha. Yeah, they, they they lie to us either way. I mean, the, I, wanted, talk, baby. I wanted it. I wanted Jordy to be back. Enough might... to interrupt you. Sorry. Yeah, that's fine. I'd love to see him back too. I think this will be a good matchup against Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, I mean, their defense has been good in Cincinnati, but still. Um, either way, though, Randall Cobb, his his value this week, this last week, uh, was more that just they needed to, you know, bring the the passes down in that direction because of the injuries, uh, and they didn't have either starting tackle either, so they were thrown shorter, especially in the second half. He got a lot of targets. I don't think it's sustainable. I think at the end of the year, it's going to be like last year where Jordy's going to lead in targets and right behind him is going to be Devontae Adams. And I think Jordy's, or pardon me, I think Randall Cobb's going to be back in there useful. But you have to remember his numbers have dropped every year since he had that 90 catch, 1200 yard season. They've gone down every single year since then. I don't see any reason to believe, you know, other than just sheer hope or whatever, which. I've seen several of those articles out that that <laughs> Randall Cobb is just due. You know, like no nobody's necessarily due to come out of decreasing numbers. So I think he's still valuable. Just he's not going to be what he's been. Okay. Well, speaking of sheer hope, the reason <laughs> I think Randall Cobb is really good at football is just that he has that good underneath kind of route tree, and he's played with Rodgers before, and he's gotten all of those targets. Do you think that it's just not going to happen this year because there are so many other receiving options? Or do you think Ty Montgomery is kind of taking over that role where 
Cobb has feasted when healthy in the past. I think Devontae Adams has become the second receiver is the biggest thing. Uh, and I think that was clear last year. And Rodgers seems to have a great deal of trust in him. I mean, he was covered on that touchdown this last week that he caught. The, it was yeah. a great catch. But uh, along the sideline, there he's kicking the pylon and everything. Uh, I think he just Rodgers really trusts Devontae and Jordy. And I think Cobb's in that. He, he's still in the circle of trust. But he's he's just going to be further down, you know, the the progression of reads that he gets there. Um, yeah, Montgomery's going to pay into that somewhat, but I think it's mostly just that his target numbers are going to decrease just by a sheer fact of what exists around him at this moment. Clark, let's hear your uh, your second surprise or disguise. I'm going to go my my first disguise of the night. Uh, Jason Witten has been gangbusters to open the season and standard scoring. He's the number one tight end and he's played against traditionally, or at least for the past few years, two of the best defenses to go against four tight ends in the giants and the Broncos. I think the Cowboys could not get anything going on the ground in week two. So they end up throwing more and they ended up throwing more to Jason Witten, who, I mean, somehow managed to escape the game with just 97 yards and a touchdown. He dropped like four passes and one of them in the end zone. You can tell I had him in DVS and DFS because I'm so happy with his performance. So, so pleased with his performance. Right. He's, he's done well in the beginning of the year. So if, if you're playing with a Cowboys fan who really thinks that Jason Witten at age, I don't know, what is he? 54 is going to have the best year of his career. Please, like, get rid of Jason Witten. Get out while you can. Uh, this is a total disguise. Yeah, I'm on board. Yeah, John, John, yeah. give us your second, <laughs> your second uh, disguise or surprise. I'm also going disguise here, um, standing around there, obviously football in hand, but in the trench coat with the uh, fedora on, nice. trying to board a train, getting out of town. It's an excellent uh, disguise. Yeah, getting out of Casablanca or getting on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have Carson Wentz. Mm. I'm maybe not the highest in terms of my confidence on this, but uh, he got to play Kansas City at a point where they lost Barry. Um, it completely changed their defense. They're going to find themselves shortly, but he got some points there last week. And the week before, he played that Washington defense, and they are just not good at football, particularly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I think... You just look at his actual playability. I know he's got a, a a decent receiving core out there now. Some of those guys are playing at least at or above expectations in terms of like Aguilar and Jeffrey and all those guys. They've played very well, but uh, I don't know. I don't. I just don't quite trust him yet. We watched him start kind of hot last year and fade all the way down the stretch as people kind of just bottled him up made him actually have to sit and throw the ball. And so I, I don't know that I really trust it yet. I think you saw two great games, and if you ran out there to get him because he's the highest scoring guy, I, I think he's – I mean, he'll be something this year, but I don't think he's going to be that that top five guy people are trying to say he is now. I think in points he's top five in quarterbacks right now. I don't think he finishes anywhere near there. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, he's put up a few good plays and – he still showed that he's a little young, so we'll see. I wanted to I wanted to say that he was a surprise, but uh, my notes really were just saying, sure, why not? I didn't really have much to back it up, <laughs> <laughs> and so and so I figured I figured that I can't really uh, make a, a claim like that with just my notes with my with my evidence being uh, why not? So I'll I can go with a disguise. I think I do think that Wentz, what we're seeing from Wentz is on the right trajectory. I think in the next kind of two or three years, he could be uh, a real player in the fantasy world. Uh, and I, I would love to say that he's going to be, have a major impact this year, but I'm not quite confident in saying that, but uh, so I'll, I'll buy, I'll buy into the disguise, especially since I, he's in a trench coat, which is of all the disguises, the perfect disguise to have. He's going to have a little bit longer at this. I mean, he's going to play the giants. So. Right. Um, yeah, no. If you if you have him, if he's streamable, I would I would uh, I would do it, especially if Janoris Jenkins is out. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Pete. You know he he has no fear of throwing it deep, and he's going to run. So as a streaming option, I think he's really good. But yeah, I wouldn't 
I wouldn't go running out there to pick him up and start him every week. All right. He's a guy who didn't start until his senior year at North Dakota State there. So he, he, he had to work his way. Like he was beaten out on the team in college. <laughs> so he, it's not like he was a massively glowing star who was like Flacco starting several years. He started one year. All right, you so heard it here first. Massively glowing star. Massively. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco is a massively glowing <laughs> star. My final, uh, my final player, and I picked him purely because I was super hyped on him this offseason and drafted him into three of my different teams and have not been super thrilled with the performance he's put up. Uh, Browns running back Isaiah Crowell. Uh, he has not yet. He's yet to score ten points uh, in ESPN standard leagues, and he just hasn't been used in the Browns' offense exactly as regularly as I thought he would be. However, do not dismay my fellow Crowell owners, uh, because this is a disguise. Uh, the Browns will start utilizing him more. He's already discussed his workload with Hugh Jackson, saying, "Because I've got." Two quotes this week. <laughs> Quote, Jackson wants to get me the ball and stuff like that. So, again. That's an amazing quote. I don't want to put it out there, but this you've heard it here first. Isaiah Cowell is going to get the ball and stuff like that. Um, Any quote with the words and stuff. Uh, right? Immediately has to go to the top. <laughs> and this just reminds us that these guys are really good at run football and not, at not really great at, like, being a pugilist. Grog score points. Um, and plus, oh, as, an added, as an added bonus, he is – the Browns are playing the Colts this week. And so if there's ever a week to have a rebound game and suddenly return to the fantasy glory that everyone expected from you, it is when you play the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and that's why I'm with you here, Pete. I think Crowell and the Browns are rebuilding, I guess, to be kind or dysfunctional. And they've got a lot of good pieces, and they have some parts of the game where they're definitely getting better. But they opened against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, who's who have looked. I mean, Baltimore. Baltimore looks amazing. Buzz on defense, and Pittsburgh looks like all those young, fast, tall linebackers that they've been drafting for the past two or three years are actually really starting to contribute to the defense. So they're really fast and. Yeah, the Browns have a good, you know, offensive line, but I don't know. I, I feel like Pittsburgh is really going to surprise us on defense, and Baltimore has just been gangbusters. So I think the schedule is going to get a little bit easier for the Browns moving forward, and I think that that's when we're going to really see what we expected to see out of Isaiah Crowell. He's still not going to be the number three running back in the league, but he's going to get 20, 25 carries, and he'll probably get you 100 yards, and he's going to get a touchdown about half the time. So I'm with you. If you can get Crowell for cheap now, is you should definitely do it. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think we said this last week that I still believe in him. I still think he's you know he's he's valuable in this league, even though he was down. And uh, I'm just trying to see exactly where I had him ranked this next week. I, I mean, I've moved him down the list just because yeah, I've got him at 14. So right behind C.J. Anderson and J.J. Right yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that makes sense. sense. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a guy, I mean, you're starting him, I think, still. I mean, maybe he's right now hanging in an RB2 category, but I think he's, by the end of the year, he's going to be moving back up into the RB1. Uh, John, give us your final player. This is this is going to be a deeper disguise. This is going to be totally um, House of Black and White, uh, Arya Stark type of disguise. Mm. Pulling off a face. You think it's just some sickly old man, but you pull off the face, and it's going to be Michael Thomas. All right, to come back. Uh, he has not played particularly. Or he has not put up the stats. We'll say that much. He has not given you much in in fantasy at this point. Not no big game, no big you know huge numbers in terms of catches and yards. But that's going to come. It just he's too talented to have it not happen. Uh, maybe they're still adjusting in New Orleans. Uh, having gotten rid of uh, Brandon Cooks and maybe not having that extra thing where they can roll more coverage towards him. They're going to find a way to get him open. He's too talented to not be uh, a wide receiver one in this league, especially with the amount of volume in new Orleans um, and the amount of handoffs that aren't going to go to Adrian Peterson. They're going <laughs> to get him the ball. He's going to have big numbers. It just didn't happen through two weeks. Um, he's going to be right there, right by, uh, by Walter Frey, you know, cutting the neck pulling off the face and showing you that he's number one 
and the North remembers. I love it. I'm a hundred percent on board. I mean, and, and Clark has been doing his, his trade analysis, which I love. And I'm going to hijack that for this because Michael Thomas is like number one on my list of reaching out to idiots in my league and being like, Hey, <laughs> you think Michael Thomas can't do anything. I totally agree with you here. I'll throw some players to you because I feel pity for you. And then laugh maniacally as he carries me to the fantasy championships. Yeah. He has 18 targets in two games, eight in one game, 10 in another. So it's very consistent. Five catches each game, 45 yards and 89 yards with no touchdowns. These are going to be the early two games when we look back and say like, Hey, remember when he wasn't scoring any touchdowns for that amazing new Orleans offense? Yeah. It's like people don't forget about exactly. We know exactly what the saints team is. The saints team hasn't changed in the last five years. It's an awful defense paired with one of the greatest offenses ever to be constructed because Drew Brees just throws for 5,000 yards. Like it's as easy to do as toasting bread. That was the best example I could come up off the top of my head. That was toasting bread. Yeah. Professional time. (laughs) It's so easy. Uh, yeah, Michael Thomas, I'm so not worried at all about. Yeah. Kobe Fleener is the number three tight end in the league right now in standard scoring leagues. <laughs> do you think that's going to continue to happen? Or do you think Michael Thomas is finally going to get a couple of touchdowns? I mean, you decide. You, we'll let you, the yeah. listeners, you, the listeners, jump to your own conclusion there. Trade I'll me Michael Thomas. Kobe Fleener for Michael Thomas. One on one. Do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. You want him, come and get him. Clark, but give Michael us, Thomas is number 33. Yeah. Give okay. us your final uh, your final <laughs> player. My last one is Dez. He's been a bit of a surprise because I live in Texas and I'm a Houston fan. And so I just have extra hate for the Cowboys because I live amongst them and they're obnoxious. But Dez is amazing. He's really good. He's had a couple of kind of mediocre games against uh, – Teams who have the best defenses in the league, potentially with the Giants and with the Broncos. Uh, so if if you have somebody that picked Dez just because you think it fell to them and they felt like they had to, I think Dez is going to rebound. I mean, Dak Prescott is opening it up a little bit in his second year. He's throwing deep. He's targeting Dez, even though he's been in bad matchups. So I, I just can't wait until the Cowboys start playing teams like I don't know the team that plays in Washington. I mean, it's going to be really fun when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Against especially that team, I think. And there's, there's, there's going to be some spots there where he's going to get places. He's, he's going to be one of those guys who, um, you know, our earlier, you know, past lovers who have burned us. Um, I've gone with Des after great years and then just watch him get injured. And I, I never trust him just because he keeps hurting me. But I don't have him this year, everybody. So he's so you, fine. And I think that's like that nails why you can go out and get Des because someone just picked him late in the second because right. they felt like they should. So go get him now and like prove him right. And they're going to be like, oh my God, I can't believe this guy gave me Randall Cobb for Des Ryan. This he's, is second, he's second in the NFL in targets. Like the, the offense is going to him. And it's just a matter of time before he starts making just turning all of that into production. Beautiful. Write that one down. Don't write, write down my fades, but write down that I write down the Des Bryant as a good football player. Right uh, let's wrap this, wrap this baby up with a Thursday night preview. Thursday night, everyone wants to go watch the uh, extreme matchup of the 49ers versus the Rams. I can't fully comprehend exactly what the NFL intends Thursday night football to be uh, because they market the, the crap out of it, but the, the matchups, they're just awful. They just never put a good product on the field. Um, but who has fantasy relevance this game? Why should we care about this game? Clark, start us off. I'm really interested to see the 49ers and the Rams on Thursday night. We've got Todd Gurley and Carlos Hyde. We get to Fair. really see both of these two backs that have been, I would say, surprising for two teams that we knew would be bad. I have so much faith in the Wade Phillips defense. I can't tell if the Rams are actually good on D because of the bad teams they played week one and two, but I'm really interested in watching this game. And I feel like it's one of those things that I might be really excited about it. And then you find out that your grandma got you like the beta max of Bill and Ted's excellent adventure instead of the VHS. <laughs> so I just hope I don't get the bait and switch, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this game. Oh, two points for Bill and Ted. Just 
Excellent. Points to Clark. Thank you. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, Hyde is the guy. Well, Gurley to a lesser extent, but Hyde has been more of the key point for the uh, San Francisco offense, it seems. When they took that lead last week briefly against Seattle, they they really rode high down the field, passing, running. Uh, they just let him take over and do that. I have been extremely uh, disappointed in how Pierre Garçon has not been particularly relevant so far. I mean, he went there to be with the coach who helped make him uh, very relevant in Washington, and they just have not been finding ways to get him to do things. He's a great guy for getting the ball underneath and gritting out extra yards, finding a place, taking a hit, making the catch, uh, consistent guy, and he hasn't been doing much this year. So I'd like to see him get going this week. Uh, I don't know if he's going to do it against that Rams defense, but he's the sort of guy you really need to get going in some of these games. Uh, of course, Goff and Cup are guys who are going to be interesting just because that connection seems to be working somewhat. Goff is one of those guys who... I think we at least looked at in terms of surprises and disguises. His numbers have been pretty decent. Um, not amazing, but decent. He's been out there playing well. Both these teams actually gave up very similar terms in, in terms of the number of total points they've surrendered in the first two games, somewhere around 35 each. But the Rams have scored 66 points, and San Francisco has scored 12. Good Lord. Um, we talked about this before we got on here. I think Clark may have been out of the room this on this one, but... The over/under in this game is thirty-nine and a half. If you are someone who likes to partake in the uh, things that happen in Vegas, bet the under. Yeah, last week I think the over/under was thirty-eight, right? And we were just like, "What? What are they talking about? The Bengals and the, the Texans are going to get to thirty-eight, or they aren't." It was like, "Who thinks they're getting to 39? Uh So, and the spread is uh, Rams by. They're getting two and a half points. So we did the math, and essentially they're calling like a. 21 to 17 game or something like that right right wait who thinks this game on a thursday night with the san francisco 49ers uh attempting to play football is going to be a 21 to 17 game it's not preposterous these games are always low scoring on thursday night because they're never prepared enough because you have taken away some of their field time you're forcing them to do game film and then go straight to you know, their final prep. They don't get enough scout team time. They don't get enough time to really implement a full plan. They're both going out there essentially with the team that they played their preps from last week and trying to play a football game on Thursday. Um, it's going to be they're just always hard that way. And if you don't know what the NFL is looking for here, they're looking for money. Of course. And the biggest thing is when they put it these early season, the early half of the season where they're on NFL network, I mean, they keep all of the money because it's their own network. They don't have That's to true. share it with a with you know um, one of those darn cable channels. Yeah, they don't have to share it with with any other network. When they put it on their own channel, they just keep all that money. And of course, the future is just going to be they're just going to stream it to you. You're going to pay them a fee. They're also going to put ads on it, so you're going to be paying them. Advertisers going to be paying them, and they're going to share none of it with television networks. That's what's as long as I get to see a dozen Ford F-150 commercials and no <laughs> prescription drugs that I need to buy yeah. while I'm and watching every, the NFL game, then I don't care it. who shows it to me. I don't and care. And Budweiser pretending that, man, you guys and your pretentious good beers, why don't you buy why don't you? <laughs> the real beer that everyone wants is a Bud Light. This guy showed I'm, up with some sort of fancy beer. <laughs> get out of here! Oh. Uh, let's so let's quickly that. go around the horn and do picks for this game. Uh, Clark, let's start with you. Man, I'm going to go with the Rams just because they've looked better, but they've also played the Colts and the Redskins while the 49ers have played the Panthers and the Seahawks. So I kind of feel like it makes sense that a decent offense could look really bad against a good Panthers and a good Seahawks team. And then I'm questioning whether or not an offense is really good because it looked good against the Colts and the team that plays in Washington. I don't know, man. I'll take the Rams just because of Sean McVay. I feel that. I got the Rams winning. I have it under the uh, power and the legs of a resurging Todd Gurley. And I think Goff plays well enough not to lose the game. I think you can see how much Washington misses McVay. Oh, yeah. How terribly their quarterback play has been, which I think is why Goff this year is going to continue to improve. I'm taking the Rams. And I'm loath to pick a road team on a Thursday game uh, because they historically do terribly. But I'm going to take the Rams in this one. Uh, and I, 
you know, if I were doing this, I would go under. I would take the points. I, I think it's going to be something like 17-10. Yeah, I like that score. I l- book it. Lock that down. 17-10. That's the score of Thursday Night Football. <laughs> you don't even have to watch it now. You know exactly what will happen. Yeah, and you're not going to watch it. No, and I'm, you're not going to watch it anyway. So I'm going to watch it. I coach a high school football team, and we I coach the freshman team on Thursday night games here. So we've got a home game, and then I'll come home, and I'll watch this game. And we'll decide which one of them was better, <laughs> my freshman or watching a Thursday night NFL game. And uh, we'll see how I feel at the end of that. Stay tuned. We'll, re- we'll recap all of that on Tuesday's episode. Right. Just to get uh, it down on tape, when everybody is very sure that there's going to be one outcome, there's always the other outcome. So I'm going 35-28. San Francisco over LA. Jeez. Wow. 35 28. There it is. There it is. Oh so it's either God. going to be a defensive battle between the Rams and the 49ers, in which the Rams will prevail as the away team, or it's just going to be an offensive shootout. And Jared Goff and just Hoyer Brian, are going to do Hoyer their best quarterback Tom for the Brady Drew Brees impressions and just, and just kill it. As we like to I call it, it, the Hoyer paranoia. There it is. We've covered all of our bases now, guys. We can't look bad no matter what the outcome is. One of us is going to be right. <laughs> no, All right. You could win that. Different. It's going to be two to nothing. It's going to be a baseball <laughs> score. San Francisco wins on a safety. Boom. <laughs> uh, with that, uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. Follow RB1, the podcast, at RB1 Podcast. Follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow John at jbarn54, Clark at NFL Clark. Make sure we're on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe to us, review us. The more ratings that we get, the more stars we have, uh, the more it helps us show up on iTunes and get more listeners. So we want you to, if you enjoy the podcast, give us five stars and, and let us know why. Give us a review. And tell your friends. Share tell us your on friends. Facebook. Yeah. Us Pass us around. And just to put it out there, even if you don't like the podcast, but you're feeling generous, you should give us five stars. It's true. It's it's like the it's a pay it move. It's a pay it forward movie with, right. with what's that kid's name? What's his name? Oh, uh, Haley. Haley Joel Osment. Uh-huh. Got it. Right. Uh, he sees dead people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he sees dead people and he pays it forward to them. Pay it forward. Um, excellent, everyone. Well, until next week, and as always, we care about your fantasy team. Till next week.